following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Hailing from the Pro Wrestling Tees headquarters in Chicago, Illinois, they are your hosts of the PWT cast, Scrub and Bank! Bang, bang, what is up, you guys? Welcome to episode 76 of the PWT cast. My name is Scrum. And this is Stank. And this is the official podcast of Pro Wrestling Tees. We come to you every Monday with a brand new episode. Uh, if you already aren't, make sure you follow us on social media. We're at PWTCast on Instagram and Twitter. And hey, if you're a friend of the show and been, you know enjoying these episodes we've been putting out, head over to iTunes and give us a five-star and leave us a nice review. I enjoy reading them when you know I'm sitting on the toilet trying to escape work. Uh, but Stank, uh, how are you doing this week, my man? Well, I mean, personally, I'm doing okay. Um, but we did see some scary stuff happen this week. Uh, like, it was almost like watching a weird, horrific movie. Yeah, I mean, listen, they uh, this Monday for for Monday Night Raw, they had a WWE Legends Night, and uh, boy, was that you know, there was notable absence <laughs> from a specific WWE legend, and now we know why he was inciting a riot. Uh, yeah. To storm the Capitol and, you know, listen, I I wouldn't even say, like, we don't get political on here because we do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I, I feel like if you've been listening to the show, if you know Dave and myself, we don't stray away from how we feel about, you know, how our political feelings. You know, we, we did a whole episode uh, around the time of uh, the murder of George Floyd on um, on Black Wall Street because it was like a very eventful thing that happened that people don't really talk about let alone like on a wrestling podcast uh but yeah it was disgusting what happened all those people are terrorists uh i don't yeah. and let, let me if you feel any type of way feel free to not listen to this and to not listen to us at all you know like i don't again yeah. <laughs> I, I i'm not the whole like we can have our political differences and still get along no if you feel that any if any of that stuff that happened was anything but a disgusting terrorist attack on our country um goodbye you know but uh yeah it was it was terrible it was terrible what happened um you you know there was i I hate laughing about it but uh it's just so it's so ridiculous that like the, the phrase, you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes, gets thrown around a lot. Um, there, yeah. were, there was a man that tased himself to death. Uh, and then there was like three people that, or no, there was like two gentlemen that accidentally killed themselves in the midst yeah. of this trying to, you know, and there was the the one uh, 14-year veteran who, <laughs> the rights already turned on her and are calling her an Antifa spy and you know, yeah. when I heard she died, all I could think of was, why didn't she comply with the police, David? You know, yeah, I did, mean, did all we, she had to do was listen. Yeah, you, they should check her body for drugs. You know, what what is her <clears throat> what is her criminal record? Um, but yeah, you know, not not trying to make light of anyone's death. It's it's unfortunate, but I mean, listen, uh, if those people were brown or black, you know, the the the. The steps of cap of the of that capital would have been drenched in blood. And, oh yeah, you know it's it's unfortunate that it happened. Um, but hey, Trump got banned off most social media. And again, if if any of you listening right now feel any type of way except for good riddance, 
Um, and, we probably wouldn't be friends in real life. Yeah, probably wouldn't be friends because, listen, uh, yeah. unless the government <laughs> find censors uh, or imprisons you for something that you said, uh, your First Amendment rights have been violated. Yeah. But if Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, uh, you any know, Snapchat, company. any of those private-owned companies yeah. ban you, uh, your First Amendment rights aren't violated. You're just a and, piece and of also- shit. Because you violated their terms of service that you agreed to to get on the platform in the first place. Mm-hmm. But this yeah. is but this isn't a political show, Dave. Uh, what we do like to talk about here, or you know, aside from wrestling, uh, which I hear there was, it's crazy to me. Also, like we are a week into or like a, a week and some change into the into the new year. There's been like six or seven match of the year candidates. Half I've seen. I still have to go back and watch the other ones. Uh, yeah. But like, I mean, as far as wrestling goes, it's going pretty good, <laughs> you know, so far with wrestling con- yeah. with wrestling content. So I'm looking more forward to to that kind of stuff. But again, aside from you know from wrestling, another thing that we love to talk about here at the PWT Cast are movies and TV. You know, if you follow uh, Drew Boyd. Or a friend of the show, if you follow his Twitter account, man's always suggesting movies to us and TV shows to us. Um, and this week there was a little bit of news as far as like movies go. Uh, one specifically that I might have just flew under the radar for me. I don't know if you, you're aware of this, Dave, but um, they finally found a writer for Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, which. Yeah, I didn't hear anything about that, to be honest yeah. with you. Kevin Feige getting a Star Wars movie. I was just like, oh. Friend of the show, Kevin F. Yeah, friend of the show, Kevin F. And apparently there's also another, uh, again, I don't know if uh, amongst all the announcements of everything, there's a show called The Acolyte or Acolytes, which is like set to explore like the dark side of like uh, the Sith. You know, it's supposed to explore the Sith, you know, the dark side of the Force and stuff. And was not aware this was coming. Was not aware that this was a show, but I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah. Also, uh, there was rumors that. So, if you if you followed follow have been following us, we were uh, kind of just going through the Mandalorian as it happened. Uh, the Ahsoka episodes. She asked for a General Thrawn, who is a character. You know, if you're if you're a little bit more deep cut Star Wars geek, you know, fan, you, you know the character of General Thrawn. Uh, there was rumors that Robert Downey Jr. was uh, going to be playing him, but then uh, some source came out and they were like, "No, no, no, it's it's not going to be you know RDJ." Dot dot dot. But he has been in talks with Star Wars about a, a potential role, which I am. <sighs> salivating at because number one he got killed off in the avengers and he's adamant about not coming back but two right. uh dr doolittle flopped and he doesn't exactly have the best track record of doing uh non-marvel roles which like hey you know this this man he will be fine if he never yeah. does another marvel movie but like if you put him in the star wars universe <sighs> i'm i am all for that you know um, sometimes yeah. you get characters in in the Star Wars franchises that you wish would do a little bit more. Um, I mean, to no fault of their own, you know, they cast Brienne of Tarth in the Star Wars franchise. Yeah, did nothing. Captain Phasma. Yes. Yeah, as Captain Phasma. By the way, it had the coolest outfit and like the most potential. I mean, 
She had a sto- she-, she had a stormtrooper outfit made of uh pad or of Padme's ship that they never addressed. Like yeah, but uh, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, she's so tall. So like, just to have a giant chrome stormtrooper commander lady, like you could you could have a whole show about her. Mm-hmm. Put that on Disney Plus. I'll watch it. Yeah, I famously talk about how much I love Justin Thoreau uh, and how he shows up in The Last Jedi as, like, the master sneaker or some shit. I don't know. He shows up in The Last Jedi in a very quick cameo role, and it's just like, huh. Yeah. So, yeah, he was just a red herring. Like, hey, good for, good for him. Get your fucking paycheck, brother. But very yeah. much just like felt like it was wasted. Um, but no, it'll be interesting to see if Robert Downey Jr. does join uh, the Star Wars universe because, again, like one of my favorite actors. You know, I recently saw Due Date with him and Zach Galifianakis, and boy, boy, is it just so good. You know, like yeah. full on rap. You know, it's almost that movie specifically. It's almost as if they had a. Uh, if it was just Tony Stark and you know, like, because he's just like that asshole that like fucking rich yeah. snobby asshole, but it's good. It's, it's all in good, uh, Jess. But, um, like speaking of more casting news, um, we know WandaVision is coming this Friday, which I'm so excited for. I'm going to stay up almost there. I'm going to stay up late Thursday night oh, just to watch. I'm and they're dropping two episodes. So, yeah, I believe it's nine episodes altogether. They're dropping the first two, so I'm just rubbing my hands right now. I thought I'm that freaking Birdman meme where he's just rubbing his hands together. I can't wait to see that. But um, for this Falcon and Winter Soldier show that will also come out later on this year, they cast uh, a young gentleman as uh, Eli Bradley, which he's known as the Patriot uh, from the Young Avengers, which, like just about confirms that they're doing young Avengers. Like they yeah. never confirmed it, but if you think about it, so you'll have Patriot and Falcon and winter soldier. Um, and I'm not sure how familiar you or any of any people listening right now are with the young Avengers, but these are some of the characters that they, they are introducing um, speed and Wiccan, which are the twin children of vision and uh, Scarlet. Which we briefly Witch. see as, as babies in the one division trailers. Exactly. And from what I've heard, they've, they've been cast like as you know, they've been cast as yeah. full grown kids, not just babies, but you have Kate Bishop in the Hawkeye show, uh, yeah. stature, which is Ant-Man's daughter in Ant-Man three, Miss Marvel. They're already filming that. Um, yeah. you know, uh, they announced an iron heart show, there's a character of America Chavez who's going to show up in Doctor Strange 2. And then there's like rumblings of Hulkling, who's um, a Skrull, I believe, um, in or a Kree, one of the two. But he's supposed yeah. to be – he's rumored to be showing up in this next Captain Marvel movie. So they're very much like going – in the same vein of like, oh, they're introducing the Thunderbolts. They're also just like, yeah, we're going to introduce the Young Avengers too, um, which I'm excited about like – I like I've heard a lot of people kind of have like the reservations of like no I don't want to watch the MCU anymore because you know the main characters are almost done exactly but you have someone like like Chris Hemsworth who plays Thor who who was kind of just like no I'll keep playing I, I'll just keep playing Thor until it 
doesn't so they don't want me to so they don't want me to yeah same way with uh um what's his name the little boy that plays uh spider-man he was just like yeah no i just want to play this for the rest of my life and he's young enough to where it's like okay yeah you could eventually go into older and that's that's the beauty of marvel too and i think they have one they have the war chest now and the patients and now they have the delivery vehicle in disney plus where they have the luxury of time Mm-hmm. Right. And where, whereas DC always seems to panic and they're like, uh, uh, Justice League movie now, you know, and you didn't build up half the Justice League. And so like this, like, and in the same way that they did the Avengers, you know, you, you do these little standalone movies and then even through, you know, the Avengers movies, it's a build up to the next one till, you know, till end game. And so I think this is great. You, you plant the seeds and then, I mean, if, Marvel showed us anything. They can take obscure, lesser-known characters and make them blockbuster success. I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy did that, and you know, and even with some of the Star Wars stuff, they're they're bringing like these really deep-cut characters, and like they realize even if you don't know who they are now, they can make you care about them, and that's that's really the beauty of storytelling, right? Like, let's not lean on a lazily on a name. Let's build up a story and let's get get you connected. And so, well, you you know, we, you could even bring it back to wrestling. You know, again, like with with let's let's compare and contrast. I mean, one could say fairly or unfairly, whatever. Compare and contrast Monday Night Raw to uh, this edition of Dynamite. Right. They had Legends Night, in which and they do this frequently. They do it constantly. Whenever ratings are are low, they either set people on fire yeah there's uh they either do some crazy outlandish stunt like they're setting someone on fire or you know hey yeah dx is reuniting or whatever the case may be and like for nostalgia's sake i guess okay but half the time it's like you're not doing anything other than depending on these people from the past instead of building exactly instead of like building up who you've got now you know you have you know, again, look at the, you know, look at the, uh, the car, the match lineup for, again, what was this last episode of Dynamite? And it's very much like, hey, okay, we're going to use these established names, you know, like the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, to like make newer stars because, again, like you can only keep relying on the names from the past for so long. I know it's a little contradictory for me to be like, oh, one more Iron Man, but then say that. But, you know, it's like, hey, well, like, look at, again, look at the the case of, you know, the character of Peter Parker within the MCU. Yeah, yeah very, I was going to say that. They, very, they used Iron Man to really elevate. Not that Spider-Man really needed elevation, but Tom Holland was a new guy. Mm-hmm. And they really said, they really said, hey, here's Iron Man. Let's get the rub off of him. Because universally, Robert Downey Jr. Jr. is loved as Iron Man. And, uh. You know, I mean, even when you take that and and you lovingly give it to another character, like, hey, here's here's some of the the shine I got. You take some too, without any cynicism. It works beautifully. Even look at how they introduce Spider Man. You know, it's like, oh, here's the debuting superstar, like in the biggest match possible. You know, like they're just like, hey, if it's cool with everyone, we're like, I I remember, I fucking remember watching the trailer for Civil War. And you know it goes to the last scene, and then you know Spider-Man flips in, you know, it's just and just 
the image of Spider-Man, you're like, holy shit, you're just going to straight up introduce Spider-Man. You're going to straight up introduce Spider-Man and Black Panther for the first time ever and just have them like enter this fight. I'm in, you know, like. Uh, well, and also, and also when, when you think of that reveal where he flips in. Mm-hmm. What's what's also like next to it? The thing that you think of, you think of, you think of Iron Man going underoos. Mm-hmm. It's this perfect symbiotic, and you're like, holy shit, it's Spider Man, and it's just it's beautiful. They did it masterfully. That's what AEW is really good at too. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of we've been talking about movies. Uh, I I this week I don't know why I put it off for so long. Like I have this thing where people and it's not just me i'm not just the only person in the world that does this i've you know you do it everyone does it where someone will be like hey you should really watch you know x y or z i there's a show you should really watch it there's this movie there's this album you should listen whatever the case may be um i love quentin tarantino movies like Mm -hmm. to me like to me i think less of you if you don't think he is like just one of the he if, if he's just not the great you know he yeah. is he is the goat he is one of the greatest and it's like the the art speaks for itself you know like economically like you can't argue with you know he, the man yeah. changed indie film you know he kevin smith uh a, a handful of other people they changed indie film and you know again that that is just that is just being that is who i am um wes i know you're listening i don't know how you feel about tarantino i think you love him but if you don't i'm sorry i know you like jackie brown though uh but um (laughs) like i've i've watched i i used to say yeah i've seen every single tarantino movie except for true romance because he only wrote that and i I just never see it anywhere um or so i thought because i kept forgetting that i hadn't seen death proof which is weird because I just I don't I just don't hear people talk about Death Proof that often, if ever. Um, and so this week I had a a, a friend. She fin- she finally she was like, "You gotta watch." I was like, "All right." So I finally watched it. And God damn it, that I want to just punch myself in the face for uh, like keeping that from myself for so long because holy shit, Death Proof, amazing, amazing yeah. fucking movie. Like Kurt Russell is just oh like there should be a chef's kiss emoji for the simple reasoning of that is how you would describe Kurt Russell. You know, like the man is, I don't, you know, nobody needs me to tell them how good a Kurt Russell is, but like, he's so good in this. And then just like the, there's, you know, there's a first half of of the movie and a second half of the movie and just how different they are. But how, yeah, it's just, it's so fucking great. Like I, well, so, so you you know that scene like if if you guys have seen Death Proof, and you know no, I don't think I have to give a spoiler warning. It's an old ass movie, but like that scene where uh, the one young lady's on the hood of the car holding onto the straps. Mm-hmm. That that's the lady in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that gets mad that Bruce Lee got kicked into her car. Yeah, so she uh, she's actually a famous um, stunt, a stunt, a stunt actress. Performer. Yeah, I'll look up yeah. her name right now. Yeah, because I think Zoe Bell. Bell Zoe, yeah, so Zoe Bell. I I wound up watching uh, what uh, what is it? Uh, Hateful Eight yesterday, and she was in that as well. Yeah, so th- she, this this was the first time she was cast in a Tarantino movie, and uh, like Tarantino, because they're friends. She'd also done stunt work, uh, like she'd done stunt work for him before, but this was the first time she was like actually cast in the movie where you see her face. Um, 
and yeah like you know if you watch any tarantino tarantino movies from then on out like you know she's in uh once upon a time in hollywood she's in hateful eight i think she may be an inglorious bastards believe she was luma thurman's body double in kill bill Kill Bill, yeah. i believe so yeah no no she was um yeah. But yeah like yeah he tried to get her a stunt actress and she was like oh absolutely not like i'm gonna i'm gonna do all my own stunts um yeah but it's funny because like so I, i'm watching this movie and almost every actress in the first half of the movie i was like i've never seen these people like how come i've never seen these people before and then like rosario dawson not rosario dawson um the other chick from charmed uh, God, someone's yelling at me right now. She's she's a notable character. I uh, she walks in and then she's. I'm like, okay. I'm like, so she's really the only other name in like in this movie, you know? Um, Ramona Flowers is in it too, I think. Well, that that's like the second half, but I mean, I mean specifically just like the first half of the movie. Oh, you know, because yeah. again, it's just like, wow, I don't recognize any of these people. And then you get to, you know, the big, the big reveal and that, uh, Kurt Russell kills him, you know? Yeah. Oh, Rose McGowan. There you go. Where Rose McGowan, Rose. she wants a ride and he's just like, you know, honey, so you remember how I told you that this car is death proof? Well, you gotta be sitting in my seat for that. And then, you know, kills her and then kills the other girls. And I was like, oh yeah, of course. Like, this isn't why I don't recognize anyone because they're all going to fucking die. But yeah. it, like the first half of this movie does such a good job, and I'm sorry for the impromptu uh, death proof uh, review that we're getting into, but I've just been talking about it nonstop all week. Uh, the first half of this movie does such a good job at establishing Kurt Russell's character of this like cold, maniacal madman who like is obsessed with killing women. Um, you know, they never really delve into it or why he's just crazy stuntman Mike. Yeah, and then the second half of the movie, you're you know you're introduced to uh, uh, Rosario Dawson, um, Zoe Bell. There's the the one other lady. She's also a stunt actress, as well as you know um, what's her face, Ramona Flowers from uh, uh, Scott, Scott Pilgrim. Pilgrim. And you're like, oh, I know what's gonna go on here. Yep. No, you don't because it's just again and i won't spoil how that ends but just two different it completely just turns it on its head and it's so good like i don't have to tell anyone how good tarantino is i mean apparently yeah. sometimes i do some people are like oh i don't watch those movies but so good death proof was just so fucking awesome like the car is cool like that definitely belongs in like like the Volo Auto Museum of awesome Hollywood cars. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when you talk about the pantheon of uh, famous cars, that definitely has to be talked about. Um, but yeah, it's. Okay. I mean, I I like that first. To me, it's. I don't know. Like, I wasn't a big fan of the whole Grindhouse package. Like, see, I, I, I didn't like I, Planet I Terror at all. Yeah, Planet Terror is like really corny, and like I know it's supposed to be corny, but like I like the beauty of like some of the older Grindhouse movies is they didn't know they were corny, so there's a certain like charm to it. But like you know when they're they're almost winking at the camera, like hey, look how weird we're being. Uh, Death Proof had way less of that, so like definitely out of the two between Planet Terror and Death Proof, Death Proof was I think leagues above uh the other half of grindhouse but um yeah i i do love it and 
just like I felt with uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I wasn't the biggest fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but like after reflecting upon it and, and getting some distance from my first watch, I I began to appreciate it way more than my first viewing. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, it's definitely definitely one you need to check out if you haven't already seen it. Yeah, because again, again yeah, it's just like you mentioned. It's and the one thing too, I will say, because much like all other Tarantino movies, it's like short <laughs> you know because most of them will clock in at like two and a half hours something like that this one was an hour and some change maybe it's yeah. maybe it's like an hour and a half and this was me watching like the extended director's cut and it was fast too like it went quick yeah. so it didn't even feel like it's runtime it was it felt even quicker than that exactly it just goes there's no tarantino flashbacks yeah. uh, you know, nothing it just it goes it goes it goes for it but um yeah yeah, that's movie talk with Scrub and Steak for this week. Uh, we should talk a little bit about this week's guest, but before we do, we want to give a huge shout-out to the sponsors of the show. We, of course, have uh, M3 Toys, which we'll get another shout-out later in the episode. Wink, wink. Uh, head over to M3 Toys. Use the promo code PWTCAST. Get a whole-ass 10% off uh, anything on their site, including pre-orders. <clears throat> we, of course, have uh, the wonderful people over at the Cryptic Closet. Uh, if you're in the, you know, if you're looking for a new fanny pack, or uh, some fun horror pun-themed apparel, head over to the Cryptic Closet, use the promo code PWTCAST, and you too can own a Fanny DeVito fanny pack, which, uh, yeah, is exactly what it sounds like. A uh, fanny pack in the likeness of one Fanny DeVito, or Tanny DeVito, not Fanny DeVito. Uh, of course, freelance wrestling, uh, the you know best wrestling promotion in Chicago. Head over to IWTV, use the promo code FREELANCE, and get a free seven-day trial. Check out some of the... The fun shows they've been putting on. There's a lot of freelance talk on this week's episode as well. Uh, So you can go back and and check out some of those episodes as well. And then last but not least, uh, the wonderful people over at Gorilla Publishing Group. Um, If you're in the mood for some new comic books, because again, right now with as much downtime as most people have, a lot of people have been reading, myself included. I'm going to go pick up some, you know, some of these Power Ranger comic books that you and I were talking about, Dave. Yeah. Uh, but you head over to Gorilla Publishing Group, find some awesome uh, comic books that will help pass the time because Julio and you know Julio and the rest of the gang over there, they put a lot of hard work into these books, and they're all fucking fantastic. Um, but, yeah, this week we have the pleasure of talking to uh, Frank the Clown. You know, Frank, this is I know him. Frank the Clown, as many of you people know him, uh, who's a very divisive person, you know? Yes. Um, He's good at what he does. <laughs> exactly. And, like, unfairly so, gets hated on by a lot of, like, the uh, the internet wrestling community um, for just, you know, I mean, and I, I hope that if you're listening to this and you're like, oh, rolling your eyes, you're like, Frank the Clown, I hate that guy. Give this episode a listen. Give it a chance because, yeah. again, he is someone who, he's a great guy. You know, he is... um hated on unfairly because you know like and i honestly i think most of it has to do with one you know a lot of people who would like be frequently in wwe crowds um unjustly hated on and again i think a lot of that stems from like well i I wish i was sitting front row at every wwe show pay for the ticket it's like yeah yeah, do it you know not that hard um but also, uh, you know, the whole clown gimmick. And then he's dating Noel Foley, which, again, gets under a lot of people's skin. Anytime a hot girl is dating, you know, uh, anyone, it, it, you know, they could be dating any. They could be dating. She'd be dating Ryan Gosling. And there would be guys who are like, 
I'm hotter than that guy, or if he can get her, why can't I get her? Um, and it's just, it was a fun conversation that we had. You know, he talks about, um, like developing his wrestling character at freelance wrestling and at warrior wrestling and just like the experience that he has at these freelance shows because boy does the freelance boy do the freelance audience have a very strong opinion of yes. the clown uh and then we do there's a lot of funko pop talk talk as well which uh vivian i know that's your favorite part of the podcast um but yeah a lot of funko pop talk and it's interesting again to hear like because you you know you have someone who's like a very uh, hardcore collector in him, and you have a much more casual fan like Dave, and just kind of hearing you know you like oh yeah this is kind of the, my method and how I go about collecting these, and you hear his, and it's just like oof. Um, but yeah, this was, episode was a lot of fun, and we've been rambling on for quite a while now. So without any further ado, let's go ahead and get to this week's episode with Frank the Clown. <laughs> Logan Square Auditorium, we're used to the loudest reactions, mm-hmm. mostly positive. You know, yeah. you have your Kylie Rays, your your Effies, uh, your Trevor Outlaws, always getting the biggest pops, and everyone it just it goes insane. Especially with the acoustics in there, it's like yeah, it's a boom. Boy, it's a boom. Uh, but every now and then, there's a there's some booze. Yeah. All right, and you know, I mean, that's a, with wrestling. It's comic books. It's good guys versus bad guys. But there's one very specific bad guy who so good at what he does that he uh doesn't even really have to wrestle to get this reaction um and boy does he get a reaction because for someone who again he's wrestled a few matches in there but not often he's most often uh managing Mm -hmm. but it's again it's pretty intense and the the best is like when it's people's like first shows you can kind of tell it's their first shows because there's other people familiar with this man and they'll you know they'll flip them off call them a name or two but every now and then there's someone who's just so riled up they're just like oh this is the- this is a visceral reaction oh very visceral yeah. and uh yeah like a lot of people online are also just like giving him shit uh but to me he's it's funny because conversely again behind the makeup uh, very nice gentleman, very much uh, like a, a nerd, like you and uh, you and I. And uh, half the time that we do talk, it's never wrestling; it's mostly Funko Pops. Uh, of course, uh, if you watch WWE, you've seen him in the crowd. Um, he was even on the award-winning WWE Network. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys know him as Frank the Clown. To us, he's Frank Mustari. I, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, today we're very happy to have with us uh, Frank the Clown. Frank, uh, how are you doing, my man? Well, I'm doing great, but you know, I wanna I wanna just point this out that you know, you said I'm a nice guy. I'm actually a real piece of shit. I've been working with you guys. Kill <laughs> me is actually in the ring. The fake, you know, working everyone me is the one that you guys are talking to now and you've seen behind the scenes. So we it's all backwards, but at least now we know. Yeah. Yeah, he is. This is this is being recorded through Skype and he was demanding that we do Zoom and then we once we set up the Zoom meeting, he said, Just kidding, we're doing Skype. Yeah. So this is after what an hour and a half of us trying to just set up this goddamn thing. But no, Frank, uh, we are you are someone who like uh, from the get go we're kind of just like oh like we gotta bring this guy yeah. on, um, and I think we all we all kind of thought oh well we're always at these shows together so it's pretty easy for us to get together and record anytime because again we see each other all the time yeah. at these shows that are gonna happen every single month with no exception. Uh, 
and then the pandemic hit and we stopped seeing each other so often um but regardless though like it's been nice to see like through warrior wrestling that you've still been able to to do some stuff what's that been like like as you know having to kind of just go through the struggles of like oh okay well as opposed to doing this every few weeks now it's whenever it's safe to actually go out there and perform right yeah, you know, it's it's obviously taking a toll on everybody, right? I mean, I think one of the only bigger heels than me is is the good old Rona coronavirus. So, you know, it, it's definitely the thing that sucks about it is, you know, you with you guys being freelance guys, like I felt like we were really hitting our stride right when the pandemic hits. I, I felt like some of those the the January, February, March freelance shows were not only it's you know were were some of the best quiet the highest quality shows that freelancers put out. But the but the attendance reflected it, right? You know mm-hmm. the the atmosphere, and and we were sold out, and you know I really felt like it was budding into something even more special than it was, and then boom, it's done, and now it's basically almost a year later. But like you said, I, I had been able to do Warrior Wrestling a couple other shows along the way, and and the great thing about Warrior is they let me do whatever the hell I want. And that's something I really enjoy. I like having good, com- pretty much complete control over what I do. And Steve and Eric over there, you know, they they we really hit it off at the first show. I, I've been on every single Warrior show except for one, and it was one of the batch of three of these outdoor shows where I just wasn't. I would have been there. I wasn't in town. I wasn't able to make it. But other than that, I've been on. I think they've had eleven or twelve shows total. I've been on every single one besides that. So it, it's been cool. They run a really tight ship over there, and. You know, the, the, it was the largest attended pro wrestling show in North America. Um, I don't know if it still is because I know AEW obviously has fans there. But even then, I don't even think they've had what was close to 500 people for the uh, the Warrior Stadium Series. So it's really cool to be a part of that. Um, I am Mr. Warrior Wrestling in case, you know, anybody had <laughs> forgotten that. So whenever the next Warrior Wrestling show is, I'm hoping, you know, when it gets nicer out here and. Well, in Chicago, I would say normally the spring is March, but we all know that winter can bleed well past that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been great. I have a ton of fun there. You know, that and freelance are my homes, so I'm, I'm more comfortable. I'm more at ease, and I like I said, I can get away with with pretty much anything I want to do. Which is like that's always one of the fun things too with independent wrestling because if you go to your AEW, one more so if you go to a WWE show, it is a lot less freedom and not you know it's it's just it's the way they are it's the way the system is set up you know and so you have to pretty much be like a john cena undertaker to really kind of have that freedom freedom to just go out there and do whatever you want but like the fun thing about these indie shows is there's a lot of just well things change last minute so we got to call it on the fly or like you mentioned just yeah go out there and, and do what you can because especially with someone like you with a character like you know frank the clown like clearly you know what you're doing you know this you don't have to be some sort of 10-year veteran in the business to to garner the reaction that you're you know that you get so it is at least fun i mean for us i think speaking for myself and dave <laughs> on this side um like i there was a promo where was like where you and ego came out and I, I believe it was like you attacked kylie and i remember you were like can you, can you just record this for me and i'm like yeah 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 i'm like recording it for you and like it warms my heart seeing everyone just get so viscerally angry with you, you know, because it's like, oh fuck yeah, like he he's getting the reaction that he wants. Yeah. yeah. And like oftentimes, 
you know, like sometimes at these shows, you see people go out there and try to get like a specific, you know, whether they want people to cheer or boo them as a specific reaction. And it just kind of, it's it, not believable. It goes off like a fart in church and you're yeah. just like, Oh, yeah. um, but no, I, that, this is one of the things like we often talk about where we're just like, Oh man, once, once wrestling kind of starts picking up, like, god is, is every show even if it's I, I i have a feeling like even if it's not the best show just based on people being specifically in the logan square auditorium just mm-hmm. packing that place just getting drunk and it could be i mean it won't be because it's a freelance show so it'll always be the highest quality <laughs> but like it could be just like a meh show and everyone's gonna treat it like it's goddamn wrestlemania you know we appreciate it now yeah exactly you and appreciate it and i've thought about it a lot too that exact scenario like the first show back and i almost like i <laughs> I would. I'm going to text Nick's, and it could be in six months from now. I want to open that show. I want to be the first person they see now, because you would think that everybody, oh, we're back, we're excited, and it's like we're gonna get the freelance scramble, mm-hmm. Frank the clown, y'all, and yeah. then out I come. To me, that would be incredible because a, I want to capitalize on them buzzing like crazy and get the absolute loudest reaction. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that would be super fun. I've, I've I've ran so many different scenarios in my head, and and like you had mentioned that promo with Kylie, like that was something that, for me personally, I ha- you know I always have a chip on my shoulder, always, 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 because I'm the person that really nobody wanted to deal with for a long time whether it was like a stigma attached to me that was maybe, you know, not justified or weird internet heat that I had that people are just don't like me because they don't like me. Um, but you know, I, I, for a while was trying to get back in the freelance years ago and then, you know, ended up working out with Rob brought me back in, we do our thing and you know, we, we were in good spots and like, you know, everybody has a role on the show, but I always told Nick's and anybody who I've worked with, I tell them, I want to make my portion of the show the most important thing on there, at least, or it feels like it. Whether it's the main event or not, I want people to remember our my portion of the show, my segment, more so than anything. And then hopefully they come back again, and then they're introduced to everybody else on the show, and everybody wins. So that promo in particular was like to me, like a make or break for me. Like I, I I've cut promos there before, but it was like. It was a kind of a shocking ending. Nobody knew that it was going to be us, and it was out of nowhere. And I'm really proud of it um, still to this day. And that there really, I think, put us more on the map. And again, those sh- the next show sold out. And I, you know, on Twitter, I, I tell everybody I sold out the show. Frank the Clown sold out the show. And there is a little layer of truth beneath it. Like I'm not completely delusional where I think every single person paid to come see Frank the Clown get his butt kicked or whatever it is. But I think, you know, the buzz coming out of that show really carried over to the next and just the buzz of freelance as a whole with the whole roster. Like I I told people, you put I'll put that roster, that locker room up against any other independent locker room in the country. Like that locker room is so talented from top to bottom, girls, guys, everything, the crew, everyone that is that, you know, the freelancers family and it's a real thing. And, you know, I'm very, very proud of everything, the product that was being put out right for the pandemic hit. So when it comes back, like you said, everyone's gonna be so stoked for wrestling, but it's just going to be freelance is going to be hotter than ever. Well, I, I do like that mentality that you're talking about where I want my segment. I want my promo to be the thing everyone talks about. And like so often, you know, when you hear behind the scenes talk, you know, whether it's from wrestlers with grievances or fans that, you know, are quote in the know, there's always talk about like politics and people wanting to, you know, hold their spot against all others. And that's negative. 
but then you can like course correct the wrong way and I, I think that was a lot of the complaints that maybe like AEW had for a while was like okay you got like you know you're calling yourself like the four best wrestlers in the world but like you're all buddies and we're all on one team and it's all kumbaya and eventually you got to have some conflict and, and you have to have a little bit of selfishness and you know we're starting to see a little bit of that bear out you know specifically in AEW but like you know, when you have a nice balance of, I want to be the best, I want to be the one that people talk about, but I also, I love the team that I'm on too, and, you know, a, a rising sea lifts all ships, you know, I, I like that mentality, and I think we probably need to see a little bit more of that, and I think that's why your character works so well. Yeah, and, and it's just one of those things, like, again, I'm not a wrestler, I'm not trying to fool anyone into thinking I'm a wrestler, but when there's an opportunity that makes sense... I, I could do it. Like, you know, I, I don't know if I can put out a 25 minute singles match and have it be five stars, but I could, but I could hold my own to a degree in there. Like, do I need to be protected in a wrestling sense? Yes, absolutely. But you know, I could come in, get some stuff done and, and, and call the night. And it, it, again, it goes back to, you know, if, could I be, do I want to be in the main event every single show I'm on? Well, yeah, sure. Who doesn't? If you don't, then you're really probably in the wrong business. But at the same time, I understand that there's roles for everybody on the show. And ultimately my role is as a manager to get Rob or whoever, you know, get them heat, get the baby face more cheers. And it, it's pretty simple. And luckily for me, people don't particularly like me. <laughs> so um, it's already built in before I even walk through the curtain. And then from me walking through the curtain, it's up to me to then exasperate that heat and make it even, you know, hotter, so to speak. So it, it, it should, a lot of people in wrestling, I think are, I have a different mentality in the way I approach things with it. And I think more people, you know, should have a more of an open mind to, to wrestling as a whole. But like it's everybody's in it for themselves to a degree. But also it's like, like you said, speed of leader, speed of the team. And, mm -hmm. you know, you bring up everybody. So and that's why I think freelance more so than other places really it, it doesn't feel like a place that's running around with, you know, people with big egos and, and trying to like cut each other's legs out. It really does feel like a, an atmosphere where we're all trying to make each other better. See, it's we've we've brought it up a few times now, so we sh we should probably just like talk about it. There is like a weird mm -hmm. like stigma of like oh Frank the Clown and like to me personally, like I remember it was one of those things where I was like, well, you know what? Like I don't know the guy, so I can't really you know like I'm not gonna be like oh he's the worst. I hate you know. I'm like I don't know you because it's right. like that with everyone. Like everyone, it's easy for. A, a mob to go online and tell you, you know, this person is the worst, and they'll give you a hundred reasons with why. No evidence with yeah. no evidence. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the internet. You know, that's not where you should go for. Uh, you know, who should I be friends with and who should I not be friends with? Um, but then again, it's like meeting you. It's like, oh, okay, this guy, he's he's just he's just a wrestling fan, you know. Yeah. And I think part of it probably stems from you know your your relationship with. Uh, with Noel Foley because uh, like how many I There's mean a lot of jealousy there probably listen the way I look at it I'm like this guy you know he he's he's date he's dating a, a really attractive woman whose father is Mick Foley off the bat right there how many dudes are like oh I wish yeah. oh I wish I could <laughs> yeah I wish I could date Mick Foley's daughter yeah. You know, so automatically there's gonna be a lot of people upset with that, and then you've again transcended from just a fan that we would see in the audience to someone now getting involved in wrestling, and there is always setback with that. You know, regardless of who you are, like take even recently with like um, what's his name, Pat McAfee 
someone who trained in wrestling, like trained to be a wrestler, and then you know has started doing wrestling now, and people are still like, no, don't like him yeah. because he he didn't originate. You know, he didn't originally come from some like independent that we all knew. He was an internet darling, so there is always that. Um, but I think like despite all that, like again, you've you've owned it you know like all right you guys all fucking hate me i'm gonna make you fucking hate me and like again it's like i think for the for for people that actually do get the chance to to know you it's like oh okay like you're excellent at the character that you're portraying because it is even then like you know we would see you at shows and i'm like oh, i'm like is he like is he this asshole he plays online uh and then no you know it's like you sit there and you actually talk and it's like oh okay I can talk all day about Funko Pops with this guy. And, you know, like, it, it, it is a language that won't get lost. There's some people you try to talk about, be it wrestling, Funko Pops, movies, whatever. And there's, like, a little, like, oh, okay, yeah, where they're trying to figure out what you're saying, but very clearly just, like, oh, oh, yeah, I, my son also collects toys. Uh, and it's, just like, no, they're not fucking toys. They're collectibles. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like, was it what like at what point did you realize like oh man like the iwc is upset with me <laughs> yeah that's a good question it's funny because like whenever i do interviews or like podcasts and stuff i always have like this weird internal struggle where i'm like should i be an asshole to like protect <laughs> the gimmick mm -hmm. but then to me like mjf does a does a tremendous job and and, and you know you don't there's no instances, there's no videos, there's no audio of him being nice in any walk of life. And I don't want to spoil it, but like, you know, I, I've met him and I have my opinions on him and they may be positive. I don't want to blow his cover, but like, it, it's just one of those things where to me, I tell myself, like, I know how to like weave in and out of it pretty quickly. So like the people that if I, if I want to work someone, I can work them real easily. Um, but I'm not going to be the guy that's going to be like, you know, backstage still being Frank the clown to people who, don't it, it there's no purpose to be that to them so um so whenever i do like interviews i'm always like oh like, no i'm like if i'm on national television or something and, and and i am in a spot like mjf then sure man then maybe i go all in because like even on twitter i'll weave back and forth like i still want to tweet about stuff i like i like pops i like you know football i like all kinds of things and then if i'm promoting a wrestling show or whatever appearance i'm on like yeah then i'll then i'll tweet as frank the clown i'm not announcing it but like it's you could tell there's a difference in maybe the way I put out stuff. But I realized pretty early on that like people didn't like me. And and really, when you really break it down, I should be the IWC's biggest baby face. I am the success story of all success stories. Realistically, I was going to the shows as a wrestling fan. I had the weird idea to then dress as a clown to go to these shows to essentially get noticed, but also just because I thought it was funny. And then from there, it evolved into what it is now. And along the way, I met Noel. And obviously, you know, I have a lot of connections within the business all across. And now I'm in the ring. So if anything, the wrestling fans should should be applauding me. Which is <laughs> it's something that me and Matt Nick say all the time. Yeah. Like, you won. You are like the king of, you know, you're the king of all of these, all of us wrestling nerds. Well, yeah. To, to me, though, I think that is the sticking point. The sticking point is... That could have been me had I had the idea. Anyone could put on, you know, clown paint and, you know, get seen. But, like, you right. didn't do it. Someone else did. And, <laughs> you know, and, and I'll I'll be full disclosure. I was probably one of those people where I was like, who is this guy? You know, and then I, yeah. I've actually seen you work. And, like, 
seeing you work live, one, the light bulb goes off, and you're like, oh, I get it, right? And then also, you know, on the side, when, when you're, you, you'll message me and say, hey, could you put up a shirt or could you do this graphic for me? The nicest guy ever. And I'm like, yeah, well, why would I hate this guy? He's cool. He's respectful. He just really knows his character. And I, I think um, if you got a, a little bit more exposure, people, you know, it's it's just a joy seeing you <laughs> at a freelance show and like the atmosphere crackles with hate but like it's a funny hate like you just soaking it in and like the bass booming from your entrance and you <laughs> hamming it up and you got someone's face all over your gear and you're just being an ass it's it's great i mean i cannot understate that enough to people that haven't seen you perform it's great yeah and you know like that you brought up like the character and me understanding it like there's layers to it that maybe people don't even understand is like the character Frank the Clown is essentially a very delusional person. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's the biggest star anywhere he goes. He announces himself as a WWE Network megastar. People may on the surface just accept that but the, the reality behind it is I was on Holy Foley which was you know my girlfriend's family's reality show and on that show they, they shit on me the whole season. They made me look like a, a total loser and I was a worthless, I was jobless. Like they, 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 all these things were said about me because I had to be the, the heel on the show. And now I'm in the ring screaming, I'm a WWE Network megastar. And I've, Frank the Clown has made himself believe he is that. So there's, there's, there's layers to it. And I'm brimming with confidence more so than almost anybody else you see on these shows because I have someone to protect me at all times. But when I'm left alone, I'm not that tough anymore. It's like the simple Jimmy Hart, Paul Heyman, kind of man manager heel mentality where, yeah, you have somebody to back you up, you're gonna talk all the shit in the world, but when you're out on your own, that's when you're in trouble. So the whole Frank the Clown thing is, it's like, I've described to people as like, it's almost like if Conor McGregor were a clown, but didn't realize he was a clown. <laughs> like. I don't do clown things. I dress outlandishly, but that goes with just the, the persona and the image I want to yeah. put out. But I'm not really – I'm not making balloon animals. I'm not using squirt guns. It's just what I was before all this. So I'm going to carry it over and it's recognizable. You're going to remember it. It's funny. It's easy to dislike. So it, it, it works and it's just one of those things where I will – like again, it's – if you take off the clown paint, I probably would act the same exact way. But now that just it again, it just adds another layer just to it all. What is typically the reaction? Because like I imagine you grew up like being known as one of like one of the wrestling kids. You know, like there's probably people you went to school with who like even if they, even if they just knew you in passing, you know, weren't exactly the closest of friends. You were probably like, oh, he's one of those wrestling kids, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's always like that small circle of wrestling fans mm -hmm. and friends that you recognize, like in high school and and whatever, and in any walk of life. Like it's almost like a weird like rite of passage when you're a wrestling fan, you acknowledge other wrestling fans. If you see somebody wearing a wrestling shirt, you give them a little head nod, too sweet, something. It's yeah. just like yeah. So we, I know. So what is it like? At least have you have you heard the reaction from them when? Oh yeah, Frank. This guy I went to you know we went to high school together. He was kind of just a wrestling kid to like wait, he's he's dating McFoley's daughter now and he's actually going to in there and wrestle and holy shit, look at look at all those people in that like auditorium. It's it's right. not some like small little dingy like have there been a lot of people like, you know, post Frank the Clown that are just like, Wait, what, you're doing this now? That's awesome. Or is it is it generally like 
the ones you know the ones who are into wrestling like oh that's cool and then the ones who just don't give a fuck are like oh okay that's fun i guess yeah, so like I mean, like I'm, I'm I just turned thirty, so I'm, I'm probably a little bit older than people think. But you know, going back to high school, um, you know, I was always the one that people were like kind of drawn to, and I didn't mind being the center of attention. You know, surprise, surprise, <laughs> and you know, so the, everybody knew of like the clown thing, and like I was like homecoming king and prom king and all that stuff. So like I was always like, oh, spotlight on me, spotlight on me. But the clown stuff was starting in high school, not obviously like at indie shows, but going to WWE shows. So like it was a thing people knew. But now when you fast forward to present times and they see, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm at shows and they're sold out and I'm doing this and that. Some people are like, oh, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. And some people are like, what? How did that turn into this? How did you get her? How did this happen here? And really what's funny is when I did the, the last warrior show and I took the big tombstone bump from Janela through the table, I got all kinds of texts like you maniac, you're a psycho. What the hell's wrong with you? What are you thinking? Blah, blah. You know, all this people like coming out of the woodwork. Cause I posted, I don't post too much on Facebook, but when I do, like I make, you know, I, my post count and I'm like, okay, I want to show this off. Cause more or less my Facebook's more like people I actually know. Um, so when I put that out there for people that may have not have been, I've talked to in years, literally messaged me and they're like, holy shit, Frank, you're, you're just as crazy as I remembered you. Or you're like, you're, you've now completely lost your mind. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. You're right. Yeah. This thing's gone too far. <laughs> yeah. How is this clown stuff developed into yeah. that? Yeah. What about at home? Like, what, like, what's your mom's? I mean, because again, if if this is kind of generally how you've been for a while, as far as like into wrestling, yeah. there is always just like the oh, okay, it's just the wrestling thing. But when you start to like, hey, I'm gonna actually uh, start managing to like, oh, hey, uh, I'm gonna get tombstoned uh, by Joe Janela. You know, like, what is it? Like, what has that general reaction been like at home? Yeah. So I mean, so I don't tell them things ahead of time. Um, because they don't get it right. Like they don't like, they know wrestling they understand wrestling because obviously I grew up with it, but they don't necessarily get the, when you're involved in it, like they don't, the theatrics of it. And like, I'm not really getting hurt, so I'm okay. But the, the going through the table was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, immediately I got a text and a calls and I got, and then, like, the next time I saw them, it was just one of the, like, what are you doing? You could get so hurt. And I'm like, okay, they're not wrong here. Like, my mom's not wrong in the situation. Could I get hurt? Yes. Could anyone get hurt any moment? Yes. Was that the smartest move? No. Did I enjoy doing it? Yes. So it's there. And then what's funny was the, like, two weeks later, I think, or whatever it was, it was the, it was the collective in Indianapolis. So, you know, we did the freelance show there, and we did Joy Jealous Spring Break. The original idea that was pitched to me for spring break was that I was going to take light tubes and I was okay with it. I said, okay, if there's ever a time for me to do it in the middle of ring in the middle of the ring at spring break, I'm going to take a light tube and it's going to be, it's going to go viral. It's going to get all the people are going to go nuts on Twitter. It could potentially be like the big moment of the weekend. Like, holy shit, Frank took a light tube. So I was like psyching myself. I'm going to take this light tube and take this light tube. And then like, I, well, I forgot who it was that com- I might have been Rob that commented on my Facebook and was like, he's going through glass doors next week. He's going through a glass door next week. And my, my mom saw it and she wouldn't leave me alone. Now he was just busting my balls. But then she's like, you better not be going through a glass door. And I, I wasn't. But 
little did she know I actually was planning on doing the light tube spot. So I got to the venue that day and they're like, yeah, we're not doing light tubes because the main events got light tubes. We're going to clean up the ring. I'm like, okay, sigh of relief. So how can I now again, make this important and make it fun? But I was very much prepared. And if I would have done that, um, yeah, my, my mother would not have been pleased. <laughs> Instead, you were like, you know what? I'm going to have this boy uh, shoot out this confetti gun for my entrance. That'll really get the attention uh, on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old Trevor Outlaw. Good old Trevor Outlaw. We love you, Trevor. Um, so let's just – we'll get back to the wrestling a little bit, but I kind of want to talk about Funko Pops because that's also one of those things where kind of like you mentioned there's – when you're a wrestling fan and you see that someone else is a wrestling fan, there is kind of like that little like acknowledgement of like, oh, hey, what's up? The fraternity. Exactly. Yeah. And yep. it's very much the same thing with like uh, with Funko Pops because like full full disclosure, there was it was a C2E2 like maybe two or no, like three, four years back now. And myself and Frank at the shop, I remember we were, you know, we're at the table with Punk and you, Noel, and uh, – um brock lesnar guy mike came by and you guys all had your giant bags with like funko pop written on it and me and frank talk about this non-stop it's kind it's like our our comic book origin story about how you know you guys were all there with these giant bags that like said funko on them so i'm assuming they were giving them away or something but you know mm-hmm. you guys had all your pops and stuff and you're talking about them and we're like Pfft. And mind you, we did this with everyone who came by with Funko Pops. We're like, fucking nerds, like Funko Pops. <laughs> who cares about these things? Cut to right. next year. Every every like break that we would have in between, me and Frank are running out to the floor trying to find deals and like get what we want and stuff. And much like wrestling, you know, it's like when you're in, yeah. you're all yeah. in. And yeah. like I've and again because like I follow you, you know, on your socials, like you show off like your displays of how much you have like oh like right now in our office there's a lot of we're them surrounded just, yeah. we're surrounded by them they're all just staring at us right now I, like i display them out of the box and stuff but and i did the count i've got more than two no more than three um as far as i know as far as last time i did the count i probably have a little bit more now but do you have yeah. any idea of exactly oh, yeah. how many you have oh yeah yeah, so it's funny because um, I've <laughs> I've been putting together, trying to get photos and videos. One of my other buddies, uh, wrestling for sale on Instagram. He's doing like a YouTube show of like focusing on those who have crazy wrestling collections. So he wanted to do my pop collection. So he's he wants to get photos and videos from me. I literally cannot get into my pop room. It is they are the pops have blocked me from entering the room. I can't. <laughs> I can't forge a path because like at some point it just became too much where I was just like, I was trying to keep them organized. I ran out of room. I, I was just, I'm a weirdo and I want them all in one room. I don't want to really spread them out. So I just, I have no room in this room anymore. So I can't even get in there. I can't even get X. Like some of these pops might not be touched for years because I'm never going to be able to get to them again. But the number and on my Funko app, it, it's very give or take, but it, the number itself, it, it doesn't even matter when it's this much. But I'm I'm, I'm around like fifteen, sixteen hundred in my collection. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And is the, it- the collection is worth a substantial amount of money. I will not name that amount of money for safety that nobody breaks into my home. But it, I here's the thing, I like a lot of things. I'm a pop culture geek. I like wrestling. I like sports. I like cartoons. I like I, I like a lot of things. So I just don't necessarily I don't buy random things like to just buy them. I buy stuff that I like, and yeah, they it's a slippery slope because obviously, like the WWE collection, they keep putting out more. I'm a huge Disney geek. There's more Disney pops than probably any other line, 
and I have a shit ton of them. So it, I don't know when to stop. I have no control and it's bad and I'm trying to figure out a way to like maneuver and like display them better. But yes, I, uh, I have a lot of Funko Pops. See, I was in the same boat as you where like, oh, I love Rick and Morty. I'm going to collect all the Rick and Morty Funko Pops. I love Stranger Things. I'm going to collect all the as opposed to just like, oh, you know what? I really like these four characters. I'll just collect all of them. And it gotten to the point again where, uh, like so when where i'm at now like I, I have them out but the last place i was at there just it was me and three other people my friends and there wasn't that much room and they were like listen you can put displays of your pops out everywhere but i was like you know what no it's fine because i know if they, they they're giving me the go ahead to like go ahead and put up your shelves with everything and i'm like no because I'm just going to consume all these walls. I'm going to see we have a fuck ton of wall space. I'm going to fill these walls. An inch and you're going to take a mile. Exactly. So I was like, no. And so for like a year, I basically stopped collecting, which for a pop collector is the worst. Eternity. You're so behind now. Well, on top of in that year, the amount of pops that they put out that I've now like subsequently had to go back and buy Right. Oh, well like, over retail. Exactly. Yeah. And like some, most of them comments, you know, like, so it's, it's okay. But there are some, like I, like I'm staring at my back to the future ones. Uh, One of my friends, Alex, she, she was working the, the New York comic con where they had the, uh, back to the future, the, the, the Marty McFly one, you know, where he's, yeah. he's dressed up in his, uh, hazmat suit. And yep. I remember her messaging me. She was like, hey, like, I'm working here. You know, I, she knows how much I love Back to the Future. She's like, do you want me to pick this up for you? Like, I'll ship it to you. I'll just, it probably would have cost me 20, 25 bucks. <laughs> and I was like, nah, I was like, it's okay. She's like, you sure? I'm like, yeah. I was like, you know, I was like, I think, I think I'm out of the Funko game, at least for now, but I appreciate it. <laughs> Cut to uh, M3 Toys is like, hey, we have all the Back to the Futures. And I'm like, mm, might as well have them all then. And there's the one that I'm missing. And a yep. hundred bucks later, yep. after two separate tries, because the first two people just like, it was like right when like uh, the mail started to get fucked up during the pandemic. So yeah. just the, fir- the, the first time it did, no, it was my third try. The first two ones, they like never shipped or got lost in the mail or something. So finally on the third try, I'm like, all right, if I don't get it this time, whatever. Like it's clearly it's not meant to be. And it came yeah. And all I could think of, like, pulling out of the box was, like, I should have just fucking told Alex, yes, please, go <laughs> ahead. Um, One simple did, did, you, did you feel like Jennifer Conley at the end of uh, oh, yeah. Requiem at for the, a Dream? At the end of Requiem <laughs> for a Dream, I'm just, like, holding this thing. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, now just to put you on a shelf that I'm probably – I'm going to look at you every now and then. But, uh, like, it, again, with Funko Pops, like, Dave, you know, more so, a, like, a an action figure collector. Yeah, well, like, for me, I was one of those guys that saw Funko Pops, and I was like, these are – dumb right mm-hmm. like to me they reminded me of like precious moments figures and i was like sure. what <laughs> self-respecting person would you know collect these and then i think it was either c2e2 or wizard world i walked by and i saw um uh big trouble in little china funko pops yeah and i saw yeah. jack burton i was like ooh, and i was like is low do they have a low pan i looked in the box oh there is a low pan so i, I go in and i grabbed one from one booth and then I go to another. This was, so that was my first one. And then I saw like a bigger Godzilla. I was like, oh, I like Godzilla. I grabbed that. And then I went to another booth. I was like, well, well let's see what they got. And then I saw a glow in the dark low pan. And 
I was all in at that point. I was like, did they make glow in the dark ones? And then like, my wife's like, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, cause I collect a lot of action figures and she's like, you don't need to be collecting any more things. And I thought you hated these. I was like, but it's low pan and he glows in the dark. And like, I didn't, to, to me to have like a licensed product from big trouble in little China was like mind blowing. I was like, wow, oh, this is cool. And so, yeah, I've gone down that slippery slope. Mostly I collect like Batmans and Jokers. Um, Which is enough of a slippery slope as is because it, they'll dress them up in anything at this point. Well, and, that's, and like me, I'm mostly in like an out of box collector for most of the things yeah. I buy. And then some of these Batman ones are really nice. And like, you know, you'll get like the, the black boxes for some of the Batmans. I'm like, maybe I shouldn't take right. this out. Um, <laughs> but Funkos are so stackable in the box too. And you're just, it's like yep. this inter- eternal struggle for me. But Dude, I once had, I've told the story plenty of times. I'll tell it here with you. Um, it was like two years or like maybe like two, three years ago. Now I was, I was living with an ex-girlfriend and then I wasn't. Uh, and so when she moved out, I was like, man, this living room has so much space. And it was like, it was a garden unit. So the basement, so I was like, there's so much space. I was like, uh, I'll just, I'll go to Ikea, I'll get some shelves, display my pops. They were in the box then at this point. And so it was literally like the, you know, the couch television and then surrounding all three sides of you were just walls full of Funko a Pops. A Funko Fort. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, I, so I, I bring a girl, I bring a girl home. I'm like, Oh yeah, let's go watch TV, you know, open up the door and then turn the lights on. And she looks at it and she's just staring at this display. She's like, what, what, it, what are these? I was like, Oh, my Funko Pop. She's like, your living room looks like a hot topic. I was like, yeah. She's like, wait, she's like, didn't you say you sell these sometimes? I was like, yeah these are all the ones that i sell i'm like the ones that i keep they're they're in my room she's like oh okay i was gonna say you might have a problem in the back and in in the back (laughs) of my head this whole time thinking i was like i would never sell any of these you idiot these are my so her her clothes didn't instantly fall off at her feet (laughs) yeah surprising surprisingly (laughs) she 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 wasn't just like oh my god like let's go to the bedroom right now babies (laughs) yeah you myself yeah (laughs) yeah but no it is like definitely with that kind of like you know you mentioned dave and even you frank like there are it is a slippery slope because a lot of times, you know, there's specific like movies, you know, like, uh, it's always sunny. I love it's always sunny. They just came out with those. It's always sunny pops. Mm-hmm. Like you can't really go any aside from t-shirts or random like things like that. You can't buy a, uh, a Charlie action figure or a Frank action figure, but now like it makes it available. You get the Funko pops and it is always also super easy present to gift someone, Yeah, you know? Yeah, they're cheap. They're easy to display. They're small. It's 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 so it's they're so convenient. And people always are like, you know, to me that like, as I have to as far as I know, I have one of the more prestigious collections in the Midwest. And people are aware of that. But just my friends that don't get it are like, they're like Beanie Babies. And I'm like, dude, they're not like Beanie Babies. Everyone thinks, oh, Beanie Babies was a craze. Everyone nuts from. Here's the difference. Beanie Babies were just stuffed animals that had no meaning to anybody. They were random dogs and cats and yeah, cows. No, no licensing. Right. These are – Pops have licenses. They have IPs. They're, there's something for everyone where, like you said, it's always sunny or like you know, I love – like I said, wrestling or whatever. We all have – every single person walking the face of the earth has something they like and coincidentally, Funko probably makes a pop for that thing that they like. So you don't have to be a huge collector. You could just be like, oh, I like that set. I'm going to go get a couple of those. But that's the thing. They're like, oh, the bubble's going to burst. Bubble's going to burst. My collection has 
rose in value drastically over the course of the past year. And I don't know if it's because people have like been sitting at home and just buying stuff online and then like stuff's been more scarce and the product hasn't been as, you know, as much out there because of the, the shipping issues or whatever. But like it's there's nothing I know everything there is to know about Funko and Pops. So like there's nothing that gets past me and and, and, and everything. And I'm very well in tune with with how they're doing and it's it, it's booming like it's booming more so than ever and every year somebody will be like oh this is the year it's gonna die down i know it they're they're, they're overproducing and oversaturating the market yeah maybe they are but even so there's so many people that buy them and collect i go to comic-con every year san diego comic-con and i have been to funko has a party every year funko fun days there it's like the super it's the wrestlemania of funko and it is, in, it's like, it's insane. I don't know if you guys have seen the videos or seen the documentaries and stuff, mm-hmm. but like, yeah, we've seen it's, them. it's like, it's nuts. Like the fun days are awesome. And I've been to, I think four or five of them now. And like, when I go to Comic-Con and I see people in their element, like the hardcore of hardcore pop collectors, and then even the casuals who are this there and they're curious, like, what's that long line for at the Funko booth? Like, what's that? That's that Funko booth. What do they have there? Oh, that's pretty cool. Like people are killing each other over these pops and trying to get in line and waiting all night and they're on the streets trying to sell them. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I am not ashamed. I definitely sell pops. Like there's a, there's money to be made there. I've been doing it for years, but like I do it wisely and I still have a huge collection for myself. So like I try to like even it out where, you know, I, I don't want to spend, I'm stingy about what I spend on pops, but I also want to like, not just go all in on buying and not get any money back. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely go out of my way to try to recoup funds, but yeah, pops are not slowing down. It's, it's to me, there's so many things they still haven't done like Nintendo, if they can ever get that license or what. And then every movie that comes out, there's new pops, there's old, there's this old movies they haven't done. So it's, I don't ever, I don't see it slowing down for like, I don't know how and when it will. Everything slows down, but they're pumping stuff out at rates that I can like that I can barely keep up with, and I'm all in. Well, th- there's something too about like the type of figure because like pop vinyls have been around for a while, you know, even at that scale and even at those proportions, kind of, you know, like. But they would always be like limited runs of like a thousand or five hundred, and then they would get like exorbitantly expensive on the right. you know the secondary market. And and really, I think like the big key is just the licensing. Like, how how many lines of toys can you say have an extensive DC and Marvel lineup right. under, the, under the same umbrella? And like, you know, the other thing is like now they're doing deep dives into you know different genres. Like, like if you had a Back to the Future lineup, who would have thought to have the hazmat suit guy? Like. That, that well, wouldn't have been something. Kenner now they're like, done. now like the, those are Back to the Future one. Here, Back to the Future two, and right. eventually they'll do Back to the Future three. You know, like it just it keeps getting like you mentioned, like more. And that is the thing, like it's so accessible, and like also like the price point is so sweet. Like who's gonna miss like ten dollars, right? And then you have places like Hot Topic doing two for ones or buy one right. get one, and it's just like it's the perfect storm for like a habitual collector to pick up stuff well like especially yeah. for, like for me like you mentioned selling them and like i've also been like un, like i've talked extensively about i i was able to sit ringside at messlemania based on just selling funko pops you know like god bless those uh walmart exclusive thanos and black panther funko pops because they, they <laughs> you know they took me to wrestlemania but um yeah like i am a little bit more stingy now like you mentioned about like what you collect because 
it, again, like you can't, you just, you can't go in somewhere. There has yeah. to be a line mm-hmm. in the sand and, and, and it's tough because like, for instance, there's like the ad icons. I love the ad mm-hmm. icon set. I really have almost all of them and a lot of them are really hard to come by. But then it's like today, like literally today in the mail, I got fucking baby nuts, the, the planter, <laughs> baby nuts, the target exclusive. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And I had Mr. Planter the other day. Yeah, I got him in. But then, like, you know, there's they have they're making slush puppy, you know, the old school slush puppy from mm-hmm. the, the ICs. And there's slush puppy regular, there's slush puppy flocked, there's slush puppy scented. And it's like, do I need all the goddamn slush puppies? No, but I'm this deep into the ad icon collection where, yeah, I do have to get yeah. them all. Reluctantly, I have to get the the goddamn scented slush puppy. <laughs> So at this point, are there any like are what are your grails? Like, are there any that you? Because yeah. like, I always talk about like I, the like the Tarantino ones, the the Watchmen sure. one specifically. Like I sure. I remember I was like, oh, you know what? I'm getting back into it. Let me let me look up a Doctor Manhattan Funko Pop because I know one of my friends he That's used to cool. have one. Yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm like I could still admire the comic book and the movie from afar because it is a lot of those older ones, and it's funny too. And you look at just how how drastically they've changed. Like the other day in the mail, I got my um, Silent Bob Silent Bob from Jay and Silent Bob reboot Funko Pop, and it's right yeah. next to the the OG Jay and Silent Bob one. Terrible. Oh yeah, so like or even like like by Marty McFly's over here. One just looks so like oh like bug-eyed and just weird and they are getting so much more detailed with them but like at Mm. this point what are your white whales yeah so i'm there's a couple that jump right out the uh i'm missing one in the wwe collection it's the john cena green hat exclusive it was a live event exclusive probably in 2015 2016 um it's you know 800 900 now probably on on the app I, again, I'm stingy. Like, could I go and buy it right now on eBay? Sure. And pay that much. Yeah. I I wouldn't be able to sleep if I did that. So like at this point, I'm just going to wait it out, wait for a deal. I don't mind paying a couple hundred bucks for it as long as it's under its, you know, it's, it's value, but I'm just, again, I'm stingy. I want to try to find the best deal. Um, so that's the one WWE one I'm missing. And then like, there's a lot of Disney heavy hitters that like, I would love to have. Um, cause I, again, I have a very extensive Disney collection, like, um, the there's a nightmare for christmas metallic three pack of jack sally and oogie boogie it was a d23 exclusive like in 2013 i think it was like 480 of them made or something you know like a low number one mm-hmm. uh, there's a bunch of those older disney ones that they were pumping out at the early comic cons and the d23 conventions that were b- before my time that of course anything disney that, that that's that exclusive it's not just pop collectors there's there's hardcore disney collectors that are in on that too so those ones are almost untouchable. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm lucky I got into pops when I did, I started collecting in 2015. Um, what's funny was Noelle went to Comic-Con that year. I did not go. She worked the convention for like ringside collectibles. I didn't go that year. And I told her, I'm like, yeah, I want a couple of these Funko pops. It was like arrow. It was like unmasked arrow, unmasked flash. Um, a couple other ones that were exclusive that year. I was like, yeah, these are cool. Like I've been thinking about wanting to buy a couple of them. So she brought me home a bunch and she, you know, and, and from there, that's where it started. She brought me home like, oh, then I go to like FYE and I go to Hot Topic. Like, oh, OK. And then so and then, then the rest is history. So I was in before 
it got really crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's, so I have a lot of stuff that was readily available then that's very expensive now. Cause I remember seeing stuff that's worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars now that was sitting at Barnes and Noble or sitting at FYE that was a shell former. And now I see them go up and of course there's stuff I passed on. I was like, Oh God damn it. If only I knew, but, um, I'm lucky I got in when I did, because like you said, when you, when you sat out for a year, you're like, all this stuff is pat the Funko game, like passed you by mm-hmm. and it, it has no mercy. And then when you want to get in, you're like, you got to pay to play. And if you want to catch up, you got to pay to catch up. So luckily I, I, you know, there, I was behind the eight ball to a degree, but out of the grand, like scheme of things, I was in it pretty early. So that's why my collection is substantial in not only in quantity, but also in quality too. The amount of CM Punk and AJ Lee Funko Pops, I would, <laughs> the the shelf at the, at the Walmart over on, uh, on Tui, uh, over in Skokie, the one, or by Niles, constantly, always just see them there. They would always be sitting there. And I would always like, should I, nah, I'm like, it's fine. I don't want to collect these things. Now, ugh, I would have to yeah. pay, like, to pay for one now. And I'm just like, oh, like, I would go back in time and take every single one of those. It yeah. just, you know, cause there, there is something too about like when you have, um, like, cause you mentioned, you've been collecting for a while. Cause you, even with me, it was probably like 2016, 2015, 2016, whenever Michael started working here. Cause he was the one who introduced me to them. Uh, but yeah, there were some like like I remember a lot of early Rick and Morty ones. Like right before Rick and Morty was like huge, there was like uh, random ones at like uh, the Hot Topic over in Lincolnwood that I some exclusives that I managed to snag, and I was able to like flip those for sure a, a lot more than I you know and eventually like was able to get them back like when I wanted them because at that point I think that at one point they just like reproduced them, which that's always the thing too. It's like sometimes you you sit on you know something and then they're just like oh we're gonna re-release it and then the value goes away like there was a specific my hero academia one that i remember i i bought for like 150 and then a month or two later hot topic put it out and (laughs) oh i was just like oh my god yeah i was like i was like what did i do i was like i spent so much on these but again you know mentioned if if you want it and you got the money for it it's like do it you know, because again, everyone does have that specific threshold that they're willing to to spend something on, and like, sure. yeah, I mean, if uh, listen, if, if any of you guys are listening and are aren't convinced yet whether or not you want to get into it, it's like just know you're gonna you're gonna drop a pretty penny or two because yeah, it's we, like a stock market. It really is. Like it, you to see the values rise and drop, and and how things accumulate value over time. It's exciting. Like I love checking my collection, seeing how stuff changes. And like I have, you know, like Brock Lesnar guy and a bunch of my buddies are in on it now. And I definitely rubbed off on them and got them into collecting and they're all in. And we always like going like, holy shit, did you see that so-and-so went up in value this much? Or wow, like I can't believe I just, I got this two years ago and look at what it's worth now. It's fun to look back on it. And like I, I was, you know, I'm on the, all the Facebook groups and I was big into trading and stuff like that. Maybe not so much as I am, not so much now I am, but like I would, I look back at like some of the trades I made on these funk groups and like I rip these people off in, in retrospect, like I totally fleece them, but that's like the fun of it. You just don't know because it's so volatile sometimes. There was a woman who was divorcing her husband and she was like, I need to get rid of all this. And it was, uh, uh, it was like the three God of war Funko pops, like the original ones that they had, it was like uh, New York comic con exclusive. And then I think it was like some yeah, game exclusive. Yeah. 
it was like those three and a bunch of Marvel pops uh, right around the time Guardians 2 was coming out. Because I remember it was a bunch of Guardians, like one Funko pops. And I was just like, oh, how much do you want? She's like, send me $40 and I'll send you. It was like 13 <laughs> Funko Pops. I was like, okay, here you go. Immediately PayPal her. And I'm just like, there's no way it's going to show up. It's going to be a fucking empty box. Nope. All came to me. And I was just like, oh, you know, kept what I wanted. Made double, maybe even triple. Right. Like, I mean, even if they're commons, that's a great deal. 13 yep. for $40? Yeah. I was like, that's... It doesn't matter what 13 pops it is. I'm buying them for $40. It doesn't matter what it is. And I've always came – I'm a hawk too. I'm on like Mercari and Offer Up and Let Go. And I've I've had some steals too, like a people just trying to get rid of a bunch of pops. Like I don't mind buying – I'll spend a couple hundred bucks. You give me a couple hundred pops or whatever it is. Like I'll, I'll sift my way through it and, and sell what I don't need and make my money back, keep what I do. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there's a whole – there's so many layers to the Funko game. It's like – it's just how deep do you want to get into it? Yeah, I'm I'm personally not as much of a like a big item collector when it comes to Funkos. Like, like I said, I'll I'll get a lot of the Batman's and like if they'll do some ten inch like or the Jordans. Like I got all the Jordans, but yeah, uh, yeah, me too, yeah. But like some of the ones that I did want, you know, like the first Biggie one, I yeah. want that like so bad. And and then they had some like I think it was like New York Comic Con exclusive Bruce Lee's. And I was oh yeah, like, uh, yeah. So. They, they give those away by the way when i was i remember when they came out they could give them away i and how crazy is that now and then like for a time i wanted all the the michael jackson ones but like oh yeah yeah but yeah i i, I don't get too rich into that game i just get the, like <laughs> a lot of, I, I got a ton of commons on my shelves uh Reg, i mentioned we're gonna bring it back around to wrestling and we'll kind of just write it out on that because uh again it's Clearly, you've been into wrestling for a while now, and you know here at the PWT cast, two questions we like to ask all our guests, especially first time they've been on, um, is number one: Do you remember the first piece of wrestling merchandise like you ever had? Whether it was something you were gifted, something you bought for yourself, you know, like anything like that. Whether it's T-shirt, you know, magazine, toy, anything like that. Yeah, that's tough actually. Um, so I was a WCW kid through and through. Like I started watching like '96 ish and nwo was just being formed and all of that and um you know so around that time i have a lot of like figures from back then i don't know if there's one in particular but like you know i have like the original sting mask you know i have like a wcw little dinky toy replica world title uh, you know i have some older shirts that i've dug out and unearthed like Wolfpack and nwo shirts so i don't know if i could pinpoint one but it was definitely like a wcw nwo item because i was like a total smart mark when i was like six years old i loved the nwo i didn't i hated goldberg i hated sting i just love hogan and nash and hall and um so i was definitely an nwo guy so something nwo related would be it but i don't know exactly what it would be and is there is there because I imagine just based on like especially the last few years, um, like a specific wrestling item that you hold like you know really valuable to you whether it's you know a backstage pass that you had for a show or um, you know something you've collected any any sort of memorabilia anything like that. Huh. That's oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I got a lot of unique stuff. I have a lot of ring worn stuff that was either given to me or thrown to me in the crowd. You know, I've uh, I, I know I've punk shirt from over the limit 2012 where he faced Daniel Bryan for the title. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was sitting front row. So when he tossed it to me right there and then, I, you know, I got it signed since then and dated and all that. So like something, you know, something cool like that. You know, I have a couple. A funny story was I. Uh, you know, back in like 2010, 2011 was like 
it feels it, that's crazy. It's like 10, 11 years ago. That was like my real heyday of like where I was going to WWE shows like an animal. And I was going, if it was within like six to eight hour drive, I was going. So like one weekend they did like a house, it was Money in the Bank 2010. It was in Kansas City, Missouri. So they did a house show the night before in Omaha, Nebraska. And I'm like, I'm going. So like I drove out to Omaha and with a friend and, you know, it was, I don't know, it's like a six, seven hour drive from Chicago and went to this house show. You know, why the hell are we going to a house show in Omaha? What's funny was <laughs> I was in the front, we were in the front row and, you know, at a house show, it's easy. They're more interactive. It's, it's more intimate environment. So like, I think the main event was, I don't remember the main event was but John Cena was in it. And, you know, he's in his run, he's doing his entrance. He's running in the ring. He sees me and he flips the hat to me for whatever reason. I just, the hat that hits me straight in the face mm-hmm. and drops to the ground. Of course it gets swiped and it was a hundred percent and he sees it. Right. So he's like, Oh, are you ready to drop it on? And he's barking from the ring. So I'm like, God damn it. And I, I couldn't, I was like tossing and turning my sleep in. I'm like, I can't believe I let the hat hit me in the face. Like it was like the person who grabbed the hat. I saw my face paint on it. I'm like, dude, my face paints on the freaking hat. Just let me have it. Mm-hmm. Nope. We're hard with it. So the next night was money in the bank. So I'm front row again. And he was in a cage match against Seamus. So Cena, who has an incredible memory about things, little things like this, he remembered from the night before that I, I dropped the hat literally and figuratively before the match, we go back and watch it. He does his entrance. He climbs the turnbuckle in the cage before the match, and he takes off his shirt, and he tries dropping it down from me. Now, he's obviously over doing it over the cage. His accuracy is not the best. So he's trying to get it to me, but there was like this like six-foot-six guy next to me, and he, and he jumps up and swipes it. And I'm like, holy shit. Oh. I can't believe this. I turn to the guy and go, how much do you want for it? Now, at this point, I'm like, I just need this shirt. So I ended up buying off the guy. I think it was like 75. He could have said $500 and I might have considered it because I was so heartbroken. I think I bought it off him for like 75 bucks. And, um, but that's like a funny story of just like a random item. And then one that I just thought of, there's a funny story behind this too, is uh, Royal Rumble 2014, Punk Slash Show. It was in Pittsburgh. So around the stadium, they had these big banners on like the light poles. Like you guys have been to manias where you've seen like, you know, they had the big banners for mm-hmm. WrestleMania so and so on. So they had these really cool ones that like it was the pay-per-view poster. And if you if anyone is listening, look up the poster. It's really cool. It's got like Punk, Cena, Brian, Orton and all these other wrestlers on it. A Royal Rumble posters generally have as many wrestlers as they can on it. So but those are like the forefront ones, Orton, Brian, Punk and Cena. And we went in the middle of the night and we climbed up these poles, like as a human totem pole, we like stacked three people on top of each other with scissors. It was freezing. Cause it was like around this time and we were cutting them off the poles and then running away. So we, it was like me, I don't know if Brock Lesnar guy was there. There was a couple of, a couple of us. We each got a, you know, a couple of these and they're giant banners. They're like probably six feet long, six feet tall. And, um, so I actually had that banner signed by punk Cena, Brian and Orton. And that's ironic. It's punk slash show. And, um, I think Batista won that rumble, but I don't think I had Batista. I don't even think he's on the poster, but, um, but yeah, that's a cool one. Cause that's like the four guys of maybe the last 10 years, 15 years. Mm-hmm. And obviously that shows historic in its own right. So, uh, but yeah, I have a lot of wacky ass obscure shit. So, but there, but I have some cool stuff buried away. Because I know you've been to so many, how many of those uh, pay-per-view chairs do you have? God, they're all in my garage. Um, I 
I got rid of some of them like in the last couple of years, like ones that I just didn't care about where I was like, eh, whatever. And I wouldn't say I, got, I sold maybe like eight to 10 of them, which to some people seems like a lot. I probably have about 70 more here. Um, and you know, I didn't get rid of any of my WrestleMania ones or any, any of the big four pay-per-views I have, mm-hmm. anything with punk on it. I kept anything with Cena on it. I kept or like the rock or taker. So like I, I select, like I kept everything that I really wanted or any show that was like really special to me in some sort of way. But yeah, these things are a, they're a pain in the ass to ship. So there's not even like a good, like, you can make some money on them, but it's such a annoying tasks to wrap them all up and everything. They're just literally collecting dust right now. And I'm going to get a storage unit here shortly and just throw them in there and never see them again. Probably. Yeah. I'm, I myself probably have like six, maybe seven of them and they are such a pain to share. I mean, luckily all, all but one of them, I was able to just like bring back or no, there was, yeah, yeah. All there was only one that I had to ship, and it was uh, it was SummerSlam when they did Seth versus Finn for the belt. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. So Michael, Michael and his wife, uh, they they had floor seats. They were sitting right behind Randy Orton's family. And the pr- prior night for Takeover, that's when I was like, I'm gonna splurge for for these seats. And like me and Michael sat. Uh, like right near the ramps, it was like super cool because you know it's, you could see the ring perfect. It, it was great seats. So the next night I was like, ah, you know what? I was like, I'm I'm okay. I'm just gonna and I wound up getting some like right in the middle section, which again great because, uh, you know you're not too high up, not too low, just perfect view of everything, and it's on the main floor too. So once the show is over, just get up and walk. Um, yeah. By like about halfway through the show, uh, Michael texts me. He's like, hey, he's like, my phone's dying. So just after the show, you know, we're in section. Two set two thirty seven or whatever whatever the fuck it was, I'm like all right cool, I'll go over there. I uh, like I meet them over there and then you know I see Michael and, and his his wife coming up there with the chairs. His wife gets me her ticket. She goes go the, go down there and grab a chair. I'm like what? She <laughs> yeah. goes she's like they're not even checking tickets. Uh, right. Randy Orton's family they didn't even grab theirs. They just got up and left. <laughs> I go all right all right and I'm like walking nervously walking down the stairs like what is my story? What am I gonna do? So I look for the nicest looking person. There's like this like mousy lady, very timid looking. I go up to her and I'm just like, <clears throat> I was like, hey, what the fuck? She goes, excuse me. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, I got to use the bathroom. You said my chair would still be here. I'm like, where'd it go? She's like, I'm sorry. Oh, poor. I felt, I feel bad every time I tell this story because clearly, you know, whatever seat I'm in is gone because it was Monica's. And I'm just like, yeah. I was like, I, I told, I told security I was going to get up to use the bathroom. If it was okay. My chair would still be here. He said yes. You said yes. What the fuck? I was like, it's gone. And she's like, oh, I'm like, can I talk to a manager or someone, please? I was like, I paid $500 for this. I, I was like, listen, I'm sorry. I was like, what's your name? Jessica. I was like, listen, Jessica. I was like, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be an asshole. I was like, I, I just want my chair please she's just like uh, here take this one please i'm so sorry i was like i'm so sorry for yelling at you i was like you know just she's like no 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 worries i totally understand i was like thank you you know i'm sorry she's like here do you need my she's like it's okay just go from <laughs> the floor to you know getting right out to still getting out of the barclay center i'm convinced i'm about to walk out sweating and someone's gonna i'm gonna feel a heavy hand on my shoulder and they're gonna go i don't think so buddy come back here managed to we managed to get out of there with it and i was just like oh heart racing the entire time but afterwards we had to go to like a fedex and the fedex right. doesn't have a wrestling chair sized box no so, oh it was 
yeah, it was the worst. Like instant karma, you know, I had to just pay for it, not only monetarily, but just the headache that it was for, because on top of his friends, they, they didn't sit like second row, but they also had chairs. So it was like eight of us there having to ship these chairs with this like old Indian man who's just like, I don't. Like he had to like make physically make these custom boxes, so de- <laughs> definitely feel you on that as far as like not worth shipping because and here, and here's something you so I always check them as a bag on the plane oh. and go home. That's that's a work there. There's always a work to something, and I've had trouble at a couple of airports where they've been like, oh, this is weird, blah blah blah. But normally they'll do it. I I, I rarely have issues, so I'll bubble wrap the crap out of them. And then just that's it. And then just check them as a, as a checked bag. They'll normally make me sign something, you know, for like liability mm-hmm. and then boom, away it goes. And then whenever I come back to Chicago and, you know, it comes down, everyone's looking at me like, why the hell is this kid have a chair? And then you can kind of see through the bubble wrap like it's wrestling and it always strikes up a conversation. But moving forward, you could check them as a bag. That's a veteran move. Yeah. Vet- see? Veteran. <laughs> I'm an OG veteran. I'm the OG veteran super fan or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I know all the tricks of the trade. Uh, Frank, we'll definitely have to have you back on sometime because I, f- I feel like we kind of just barely scratched the surface of like things we could talk about that we wind up talking about, which is always a good thing. It's never like, it's, it's never a, a good sign when it's like, all right, well, we ran out of things. Yeah, to- what else? What it's else? been 32 <laughs> minutes and we ran out of things to talk about. Uh, but no, definitely, you know, someone we're going to have back on, um, for those who already aren't, where can people find you online? Yeah, so Twitter and Instagram, Frank WWE Clown. I say this all the time that I'm desperately trying to get a change, um, just to you know be an independent clown that doesn't necessarily need WWE and his cert and his uh, handles to survive. Uh, I was an OG Twitter guy, like I was on early, like probably like 2009, 2010. So like I, you know, I've been in it since the beginning, and it's just like such a my name, I guess, my handle's been on so long. It's it's it just is what it is. But I'm always like, oh, I wish I could alter it to a degree to what I want exactly. But, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm quite the Twitterer. If you want to call it that, I'm more of an Instagram lurker. If I, I, if I get a nice Disney photo op or a nice promo shot, then maybe I'll post it. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's, that's where they could find me if they would like to hear or see what I am doing. And if they want to support you monetarily, they can always go to prowrestlingtees.com and purchase one of your T-shirts as well. They sure can. They And one of the designs, I believe, may have been conjured up by somebody who happens to be hosting this podcast as we speak right now. <laughs> Listen, my skills aren't that great, but, you know, uh, which is why Dave had to do it. Uh, right. Thanks again, Frank. Yeah, thank and, you. Uh, yeah, hope to have you on soon again, buddy. Yeah, I would love to. Thanks a lot. Thank you again to Frank the Clown for that interview. Um, yeah, dude, those chairs, shipping those WWE chairs, just the worst. Even storing them. Like right now, uh, because up where we have our offices, uh, Ryan Barkin, uh, his you know owner of Pro Wrestling Tees, his dad um, got kicked out of Pro Wrestling Tees because Frank needed a big <laughs> Frank needed a bigger he needed an office slash yep. we needed to get more space in the back room so frank's office got taken down in favor of now it's my area uh yeah and so rick moved by frank's new office exactly so rick uh moved down here into one of these empty offices which was doubling as my storage unit uh but now 
I had to move everything around and those chairs are just sitting in my closet taking up space because as cool as they were to look at, not the best to store. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, nonetheless, I, 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 you know, really fun episode. I thought, um, yeah, dude, like some of those freelance people just fucking hate this guy. It is, you know, you, you mentioned your daughter, uh, you know, you told the story of your daughter, um, when you told her you were going to interview Frank. Yeah, she was, uh, well, so I take my, or when, when we could go like once a month, I would say, all right, come on, come out to Chicago. We'll watch a freelance show. And like everyone there is super nice. We get to sit in the balcony and, you know, people will say hi to her. She loves it. And so, um, she got like a, she felt like really connected with Kylie Ray as, as I'm sure many fans, you know, especially younger fans do, um, and just adored her. And then when her and Frank were kind of in a program together, she like, she would look at me and be like, what's this guy's problem? You know, cause he was so despicable to her. And then the day that, uh, you know, when we went to go do the interview, she's like, Oh, are you interviewing someone? And I was like, yeah, Frank the clown. And she's like, Oh, I hate that guy so much. <laughs> but and, and there's a part like, clearly you've gotten to this, you've listened to the interview. He's a, he's a good dude. He, he's thoughtful. Um, he's respectful of the business. He's, and you know, as we mentioned, he's one of us, he's one of us fans that, that did good and hit above their weight class and, and is now doing great things in wrestling. We should be cheering the guy on, but he's so good at being like a, a shit heel that, uh, it, it's really amazing. We mentioned it, we mentioned it in the interview. If you ever get the chance to be in the Logan square auditorium, when it's Frank, the clown y'all hits, it is just this booming hatred. <laughs> it's great. Oh yeah. It, it is always the best when, yeah, when that yeah. music starts to hit. Uh, and so, yeah, hopefully hopefully we get to see him. At, um, yeah, I know, can't wait. I, I can't wait for a wrestling show, dude. When he said when he said it had been almost a year since the last freelance show, I was like, we no. We had to pause. Yeah, yeah, I was like, no. It, oh, yeah, I was like, it has almost been a year. Um, yeah. Yeah, live, live wrestling is one thing I most. I was, uh, I do a Q&A every week. Uh mostly every week on my Instagram, always fun, random questions. And, um, there was a lot of taffy on my, uh, in the questions, you know, which, uh, <laughs> um, we're not talking about the candy either. Yeah. We're not talking about the candy. We're talking, of course, about taffy, a friend of the show, past guests on the show, um, who, um, she'll probably be on again whenever we see her again. Yeah, um, sure brought up the story and we talked about it on the Jericho Cruz episode, which is very fun when you should go listen to it. But she, she reminded me of, uh, do you remember the woman in the, uh, the hotel lobby? Oh, yes. So she, so, like, well, you tell the story. <laughs> so we're all coming back from dinner, right? Yeah. So yeah, we went to this fancy steakhouse. We're coming back from dinner and we're all just kind of like waiting in the, in the lobby for everyone to get there. Cause I think me, you taffy, maybe Nick and Castro as well. And I think Jake the snake was in the area, wasn't he? Yeah. He was like, yeah, like we all got you- there. We're waiting for everyone. Yeah. Jake, the snake is just chilling. Again, this was the hotel where like talent were staying. Yeah. So, which I, I also have another story involving Jake, the snake, uh, from that same hotel lobby. Um, but we're, we're sitting there, we're waiting and there's this woman just sitting over on the couch or just like laying down there. Clearly just been taking a nap. Again, we think nothing of it because 
why would we? It's just, you know. It's late night in Miami. Yeah. And then you see ambulances and firefighters come. Literally maybe like 30 to 40 seconds later. And we're just like, oh, what the fuck? Well, what's going on here? And they go and they talk to like the staff and they're pointing at this lady. And we're like, oh my God, is this lady dead? Like, what the fuck? Um, and then also, as, as we're looking at her, we're realizing that even in the low light of the lobby, she kind of looks gray. Yeah. And we're just like, oh no. And so they go, they go up to her and they're trying to, I, I get, she was drunk. They were just trying to wake yeah. her up and they're trying to try to like shake her awake. Like, oh, you know, man, man, wake up. Then this one guy pulls, uh, one of the firefighters pulls his glove off, makes like a, like the motion with his hands where he puts all his fingers together, almost at like at a point and just fucking hits her right in the throat. And she just <gasps> like full on, uh, you know, Mia Wallace in Pulp Fiction yeah. just jumps up and she's just like, uh, uh, and then they kick her out. Cause I, I don't think she was staying there. I think she just like drunkly, like was drunk and stumbled and w- in there. And when she pops too, we all kind of, it was like a jump scare. We were like, holy shit. Cause again, mind you, this all happens in the span of two minutes. Maybe, yeah. you know, like we literally walk in we're like, okay, no one's here yet. All right. Oh, look, there's Jake the snake. And then we're just chilling. And then, you know, we see this lady kind of look away <laughs> and then just, yeah. Incredible. Another Jake, the snake story, which I've told, I, I told on that episode, but I'll tell it again on this one. Um, so, that night, you know, the, the hotel we were staying at was an Italian hotel. Me, Stank, and Michael were the only group of three. And yeah. the beds were tiny. Like, I don't know how it was for you, but, like, I remember me and Michael were like, yeah, whatever, it's fine, we'll share a bed. Like, I've shared beds and, with Michael before. And, and Michael ordered the firmest mattresses for some reason yeah. for the room. Yeah, They I, were, like, slants of stone. So we get to the room, and I'm just like, oh, man. I was like, this fucking sucks. And then while we're at dinner, one of us, I, I, I make the comment. Mind you, at dinner, I'm sitting next to Taffy. And I think you were sitting right across from me or next to me. Yeah. One of the two. So we're having the conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to share a bed with stupid Michael. And Taffy's like, oh, she's like, I have a queen size bed if you want to, you know, you want to bunk up with me. And I was just like, I will very much take you up on that because one. Yes, please. <laughs> but yeah, yes, because one, Michael at this point is a little drunk. He's yeah. full. He's full of steaks. So he's probably going to be gassy. And again, like he keeps making these, like, yeah, we can we can cuddle up jokes. And I'm just like, yeah, I know how you are. When and you he's get, not. He's half joking. He's half joking. And uh, listen, I have yeah. no qualms of cuddling with a man. You know, Braden Harrington and yeah. I, when I was in New York, we slept in the same bed, and you know, we took turns being the little and the big spoon. It was um, wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so I wound up going to sleep in Taffy's room. And in the morning, she got up to go to the gym. And I'm like, I'm over on my side of the bed. Knock the fuck out. And then the fire alarm goes off. And like I wake up. I'm just like, huh? What's going on? Huh? And like fire alarm is going off. And like I open up the hallway and I see people evacuating. And I'm like, fuck. Um, so I literally just, I, I grab my, st- and you know, the, the fire alarm's like, leave all your valuables. Just hurry up and get the fuck out of here. Dude, fuck that. I had my backpack with my stuff. So I just put on my backpack. You know, just grab whatever I have with me um, and just get the fuck out of there. I go down to the lobby and I see Nick Jackson, you know, of the Young Bucks. And uh, where I was like, dude, what the fuck happened? He's like, I don't know. He's like, he was like, I was literally naked about to jump in the shower and I heard the alarm go off. And I was like, what the fuck? And mind you, we're in the hotel lobby and like everyone's kind of scrambling around and frantically. And then Jake the Snake comes by. He's like, 
god damn it he's just cussing up a storm and swearing and it's just like oh this thing i had to like go to the gym find taffy i think like cody had to come open the door for me because you had to specifically have like a a key access to the thing yeah like cody comes and opens the door for me and i was like hey is taffy in here and he's like yeah she's over there um like her and hangman are working out together oh sorry all these names i'm dropping um yeah yeah, but like her and hangman (laughs) over there and i was just like yeah you guys didn't hear the fucking fire alarm and they're all looking at they're all looking at me as if i just started speaking chinese they're like no and i was like yeah you know me nick jackson and fucking jake the snake we're just hanging out in this lobby waiting because eventually it just it, you know it goes back off and we're just like oh geez and then you know i go back up to the room i think i maybe slept for like another 20 30 minutes and then got you know me and taffy got ready grabbed their shit wait when waited in the lobby for everyone everyone comes and i'm just like yeah that was crazy right the fire alarm again everyone's looking at me as if i just said can i take a shit in your guys's mouths because they're like what are you talking about like and yeah. I'm just I was like, like, yes, please. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess it only went off on like the east side of the building. And all yeah, you I didn't were, hear it at all. And everyone else was on like the west side of the building. I think Joe and uh, Rachel were like, yeah, we kind of heard it maybe, but ugh, it was it was the worst. Um, but what if it was a fire? What's up? <laughs> what if it was like a fire or something and only half of us heard it? Yeah, right. That would like it would have sucked if it's just me, Taffy, and Hangman on the Jericho cruise because the rest of you guys fucking burned to death. Uh, but no, that was a very long winded story about uh, Taffy and you know how much we love Taffy. Um, we do love Taffy. There's a very uh, I'll I'll say it on here because I don't I know she doesn't listen. Uh, uh, a very jealous uh, a friend that I met once in uh california who's very jealous of taffy for some reason me and taffy are friends we're we're completely you know just platonic like you you know like i know what you guys are like oh you share the bed Uh, no we uh, i got there and we both knocked the fuck out because again we're full on steak um yeah but i posted something that was like um yeah again i do these q a's and someone asked her like what do you feel about matching outfits and relationships and I'm like looking through my phone. I was like, do I have any pictures of me matching outfits with anyone? And like the first one that I saw was Taffy. And I was like, sorry, I only do matching outfits with Taffy. And, and this girl got so mad and DM'd me. And I was like, I was like, dude, I don't even know you. I was like, we we met once. So, but hey, man, you know, that that's life. You know, when you're married like Dave, you don't got to work. You know, you don't got to. I know work. this. What's up? Do I know this girl? No, no, you don't know her. Oh, okay. um, you know, but like, hey, when you're married, you know, when you're married like yourself, you don't got to worry about these things. But no, I'm fresh um, out the game. Yeah, you know, but uh, when you belong to the streets like I do, you know, <laughs> it's it's only a matter of time before you get these kinds of weird DMs. Uh, yeah. But yeah, again, uh, we've been kind of it's been a long episode, been a lot of talking. Um, next yeah, week, sleeping in. <laughs> yeah, right. The the only person, the only people listening right now are Jesse Kohlenberg and Trevor Outlaw. <laughs> Um, maybe Mark too, maybe Mark. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, next week will be a little bit of a different episode. Uh, so if any, I know most of you guys also listen to post wrestling, um, over there, post wrestling, uh, waiting and, um, our, my buddy Jordan Goodman, they're going to be introducing a new podcast called the wellness policy, which focuses a little bit more on mental health and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, which I'm, I'm excited to hear, uh, 
just again because so I, I do these Instagram I've done an Instagram live um, once before with, again with my buddy Jordan Goodman it's, uh, you know Jordan Beatwell uh, on um, on Instagram but he he's a therapist I believe um, psychologist one of the, one of the two uh, don't worry I'll, I'll get all the right words those important things. <laughs> one of those important things um yeah but he he also used to work at ring of honor he helps he helped organize the uh, msg show and it's a very interesting story of how he even came to get the job as a lot of the times people talk about like manifesting what you want and he is the embodiment of that like they made it they specifically made a job for him that didn't exist before because he was so qualified and so passionate about what he wanted to do for the company. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to talk a little bit of everything, you know, talk about his time in ring of honor as well as, you know, uh, again, he has different, he's, he, he does a lot of his therapy and stuff with music. He's much more of a music, uh, integrated person. So he'll be on next week. It'll be fun. He's also not seen the mummy movies and I'm always trying to convince him to watch them. So there'll probably be some mummy talk on there. Uh, but yeah, that, that'll be coming to you next week. Um, Dave and I are also working on uh, putting together a, uh, clip show for you guys. Uh, I just actually have to sit down and edit all these clips together. Um, so at some point in the future that will come to you as well. Uh, but Dave, I'm looking at the clock right now and I didn't even notice what time it was. It's, uh, that time of the week where I've run out of things to say. Yeah. And, uh, I've got to pee real bad right now, so I've also run out of things to say. <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, for the PWT cast, I've been Scrum. And this is Stank. And this is friend of the show, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega here, friend of the show. We've run out of things to say here at the PWT cast, and so I must bid you adieu. Goodbye and good night. Bang, bang. <laughs>